Hey, HTWOW friends, it's Dave and Toby, <laughs> Old Waver and High T, or High T and Old Waver, as it's more commonly heard. Um, before we get to lots of hot jams, um, including a heartfelt look back at uh, the life and times of Eddie Van Halen, and uh, some random crap that I found today, um, want to bring your attention to two things. One, our website, oldwaver.com. If you are interested in this pod and you want to learn more about us, if you want to go back and listen to old pods, if you want to figure out uh, where you can subscribe, um, all of that is at oldwaver.com. And uh, the other thing that you can find there is the premium page, which brings you to our Patreon page, which is where the After Dark lives. The After Dark is the post-party of this podcast. It is, um, I don't know, it's not X-rated, but it's probably like PG-13 to R. Just depends on how drunk we are. Um, it's more songs, and it's more drunk, and it's more of a party. And uh, it's exclusively for our patrons. You can only get it by subscribing, so go to oldwaver.com and click on premium, or go to patreon.com and uh, type in HTWOW and you'll find us. And for as little as $5 a month, you can get some sweet merch and the After Dark pod. <laughs> Please become a patron and tell all your friends, we love you so much. Here's content. Pod. <laughs> that was like, like in the olden days, if you were like the... Uh, the blacksmith who made bells you were making bank yeah yeah and you had to be strong as hell like who's lifting the bells right some big ass bells how'd they get those bells up there in those b big towers aliens aliens did it yeah ancient aliens did that that makes sense that's the only thing that makes sense i know
Dave, I am the old waiver part at old waiver on Twitter. He is Toby, the high tea part at Toby Pipes on Twitter. And together, we create this monthly podcast. It's a song swap and a beer swap. And uh, we play tunes for each other. We drink beer with one another. And uh, we try and have a good time. And hopefully, you do too. This is uh, once again a COVID times socially distanced pod. It's very unfortunate, but times being what they are and schedules for human beings being what they are, we just couldn't uh, be in the same place at the same time. You know, it's not like, it's not like either of us are COVIDed up. Like I didn't get round two and you, you had a near miss and you're totally, you're totally fine. Yeah. But it worked out. We had a scare. You did have a scare. I think everybody by this time has had a scare. Yeah, uh, I was almost exposed, Dave. Yeah, but uh, we weren't able to be in the same place at the same time. We we tried to make it happen. just didn't happen. But uh, we still plan to have a good time. We're still drinking the night away. <laughs> um, I am drinking... Since we're apart, I don't have uh, you know the good friend beer cooler there in your studio mm-hmm. and so i don't have brews to share with you Brew. but i will but i will tell you what i'm drinking and you can tell me what you're drinking okay um i have a selection so last month i did the um uh, kind of uh ranch water seltzer yes right I, i'm kind of on a, a seltzer kick you are on a seltzer I'm not, kick. i'm not gonna lie there's there's something about the seltzer because it's lighter and fewer calories than the cider, okay. but it's just as refreshing. And wow. uh, I don't know, you know, I've been packing on the LBs here in COVID times, and I need all the help I can get. So I am doing Austin East Ciders, the black cherry spiked seltzer, made with real fruit, only a hundred calories. That's awesome. You know, I like the Austin East Cider. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are like a soda connoisseur, mm-hmm. but uh, when I was a kid, I didn't get to drink a lot of sodas. Like my mom did not keep Cokes in the fridge. Okay. We had, you know, like uh, Crystal Light and milk. That's basically what we could drink. Crystal Light, huh? Yeah, like Crystal Light Lemonade or Fruit Punch or something. Wow. Or or like Whole Milk. <laughs> Those were our options. Man. And so uh, 
when I used to go visit my grandparents in New York when I was a kid, my grandparents would have uh, sodas stocked in the fridge for when I came. And so it was always black cherry soda or cream soda. Wow. Like very random East Coast uh, old school beverages. So right? not, not like your A&W cream soda. No, it would be some off-brand, you know, like the A&P store brand cream soda. Okay. Um, or the black cherry soda. Um, but for whatever reason, because I drank those as a child and because it was such a special treat mm-hmm. that I never got to have except for when I visited my grandparents, to this day, I love cream soda and I love black cherry soda. And this black cherry seltzer tastes just like black cherry soda. It's clear. It's not like dark like black cherry soda. Uh-huh. Um, but it tastes the exact same and it gets you drunk. Even better. Wow, that's a what a heartwarming story, Dave. Yeah. That, Thank you. That's really nice. You know, my parents were uh they were Coke drinkers. And now they are diet cuz before the diet thing went down, every we all would just drink Cokes. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Um and then it became Diet Coke and now they are Diet Dr Pepper. But my treat, like when I was in first grade, when my mom taught across the hall, so I wouldn't take the bus home. I would just go across the hall while she finished up in the afternoon. And my treat was to walk down to the Coke machine. And I used to love a Big Red, Dave. Yeah. You like a Big Red? The Big Red. Yeah, that, that that was the other thing is... Every once in a while, my parents never really took us anywhere, but every once in a while we would take a family road trip. Mm-hmm. Everyone would get in the, the minivan yeah. and we would go see like the Grand Canyon or we would go drive and visit family on the East Coast. And so it was always, again, a treat if you got 50 cents to go to the vending machine at the Motel 6. And so there were always things in the hotel or motel vending machine that you wouldn't get at home like right. Tahitian treat or like big red Mr. Pib Mr. Pib tab um, yes tab oh god i love some tab i was sad when they discontinued tab tab always had a weird taste to me i don't know what it is it was the aspartame is that what was that were they the first was, with the aspartame yeah they were the first with the aspartame i think mm. It really attacked the tongue. <laughs> it set up on you. That's for sure. Um, yeah. but I'm So a, you were a Big Red fan. I liked Big Red, but we never... That couldn't be in the house. We didn't have any Big Red, so that's why it was a treat. You know what I mean? But Is Big Red strawberry, or what is it even... What is the flavor? I don't even remember. Red. It's just red flavor. <laughs> <laughs> What is the flavor? Is it is it like strawberry? I don't know. Here, hold on. Let me Google it. It's red Big bubble flavor. Red. <laughs> it's the number one red soda. Oh, well, that's got to be a... How many are there? I don't know. 
<laughs> you know, it Dave. Was a, it was originally known as Sun Tang Red Cream Soda. Yeah, that is going to be our daytime disco band, Sun Tang. <laughs> Sun Tang. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it is a cream soda, but it's just red. Oh, it's a cream soda? Yeah. Huh. It's not like a strawberry cream soda? Or... It, it's a, uh, according to Wiki, its flavor, though often thought to be bubblegum, is created by mixing orange and lemon oils with the traditional vanilla used in cream sodas. Orange and lemon oils? Yeah, orange and lemon oils with vanilla. Okay. So it's a cream. So it's a cream soda with orange and lemon and red food color. <laughs> I haven't had Random. one in years. You know, uh, Clay in the Deep Blue Band. He will break off a big red on you. He will. Do, do you ever put that in the rider? <laughs> Case should, of big red. You know what? <laughs> A liter of Big Red might have made it onto the rider at one point because that looks cool on a rider. Get some Big Red, and that'll a two make liter, a two liter or a one liter. Because a one liter, I don't that that might be like the wildest goose chase ever. <laughs> Going to every convenience store trying oh. to find a one liter. Are the big, big ones? Red. Are they two liters? Are those two? Yeah, liters? the big one. Okay, yeah, and man, could you imagine what would happen like in <laughs> Copenhagen if they're looking for a Big Red? <laughs> what is this? Never heard of it. <laughs> they, uh, those poor bastards, who used to try to hunt down Tostitos and salsa, and we'd just be like, "We don't need Tostitos, and y'all should call somebody. Quit looking all over town for this. We're fine." This this is our U.S. rider. You yeah. don't have to follow everything. Put some pastries back here. We're good. You guys make good so, stuff. So, what are you drinking? Man, look at this. I'm drinking a Guinness in Guinness glass, right? Nice. Did you do the nitro or what do you got there? Yeah, it's the can. You know, this can that does the, does the, has the little ball in it. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. It, it actually does a good job. It's way better than if you get it in the bottle. The bottle is always a little flat. Yeah, I haven't had, uh, uh, I haven't poured my own Guinness in forever. I had one in the fridge for a long time, and I don't know what happened to it. It might still be there. I might have to join you later if I can find it. Man, it's so good. I mean, it's nothing like the real thing, but it's still good. I love the taste of a Guinness. Well, we are uh, a drinking pod, but we're also a music pod. And uh, if the opening tune tipped you off, uh, this is going to be... Um, somewhat of a Toby Book Report episode. Mm -hmm. um, it was October 6th, back in the fall, that uh, Eddie Van Halen left us. He was... Uh, so he died at the age of 65 after a long battle with cancer. Well, a um, bunch of different cancers. We'll get into that at the end. There was a, a lot of different things that went on right there at the end. Yeah. Um... And we've probably mentioned it, but after he died, then Manny died, and we got distracted by Manny. And we really haven't talked about uh, the legacy of Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen on the pod, even though it's maybe 
uh, outside of what you might expect from us. Um, it's not both... really our style, but you have to admit, it, it, Eddie Van Halen has definitely touched both of our lives, no doubt about it. Maybe mine more so than yours, because I was a, a metalhead in junior high. Well, I went through uh, it. I went definitely my fifth, sixth, seventh grade, early seventh grade before I changed over, before the hair got real tall. Right. Um, it was, man, it was full on. You know, Todd uh, Todd brought the Van Halen, uh, Led Zeppelin um, kiss jams and then all of a sudden it seems like well we'll get into this we'll get into it okay You're, yeah you always he, play the yeah. first jam yeah you had you had the benefit of the older brother yeah. which you know we've talked about in the past so yeah we'll talk about um our formative metal years and uh the legacy of eddie van halen later uh you know certainly it's uh well after the fact but uh you know we do what we want on this pod. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we play jams that we like. And you told me uh, what you had planned to do the other day. And you were like, just in case it changes what you're going to do. And um, originally I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to play the stuff that I had planned on playing. Uh-huh. But then the more I thought about it today, the more I was like, no, I can't do that. Um and I might play some of that stuff on the After Dark later. Um, but, you know, I was going to play like some kind of, uh, you know, daytime disco, kind of the same stuff we've been playing lately. And I was going to play some, uh, you know, super dancey thing. And I was just like, uh, that's just not going to fit with the vibe of a Van Halen pod. So I was like, I need to, I need to really dig in and find some stuff with uh, a little bit more of an edge uh, with some some guitars, you know, maybe something that is uh, a little bit more of a party jam mm-hmm. than, than what I was going to play. And so um, I'm going to kick us off with a band um, out of Kanata. Um, That's to the north of here. Yes, they are a Toronto band that has been around for 20 years now. And Should uh, I, they, am I supposed to guess it? No. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess you could, but you I know, I, I probably won't. Is it platinum blonde? No. Uh, so they, they got together in 2001. Uh, their first record came out in 2004 and, um, they've been very sporadic in their output. They broke up for a while. They got back together um, and so this year they are putting out only their fourth ever record. So four albums in 20 years. Wow. Uh, they're a two piece. Does that narrow it down for you at all? Um, Pet Shop Boys. No. Uh, I am speaking of Death from Above 1979. <laughs> you, you know them? I have heard that. You can, if you hear that name once, you don't forget it, but I know none of their material. Yeah, so the, they uh, they originally were known as Death from Above, but then you know the uh, uh, label, the New York label that uh, uh, LCD Sound System and many other New York bands were on was also called Death from Above. Okay. D- DFA, and so um, they had to change their name. So in the U.S., they are known as Death from Above, nineteen seventy nine. Um, 
Yeah, and so the the first record came out in 2004. It was called "You're a Woman, I'm a Machine," and um, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if we were both at that South by Southwest in either 2004 or 2005 uh-huh. when they were they were one of the uh, you know the hot shit bands that were at that um, particular South by. That might have been where I heard of that. Um, did you go see them? Uh, I, I, I think I tried to. So what I remember is that they were playing at the Mohawk, um, you know, up on, uh, Red River and it was oversold and so many people were trying to get in and kids were like climbing the chain link fence outside Mohawk and they ended up tearing the, uh, the chain link fence down. And it was, yeah, it was, it was punk rock. You know, they had to call mm-hmm. the cops and shut down the show and everything. Nice. Um, yeah. So they, uh, they had their moment. Um, but like I said, they broke up, they went away. Um, and now, you know, they're, they're older dudes. They're, uh, you know, they have families and stuff. And um, this song is actually uh, very much influenced by um, one of the, uh, the members his uh, uh, his wife and his unborn child, which uh, I, I I will delve into that afterwards. But uh, so it's uh, Jesse Keeler and Sebastian Granger are the two dudes, and they just put out this song a couple of weeks ago. It's brand new. Um, the new record is uh, going to be entitled "Is for Lovers." So death from above. 1979 is for lovers <laughs> and, um, and the song is entitled one plus one or one on one I don't know either way it's very Valentine'sy Dave I see what you're yeah. doing yeah I guess I guess it is Valentine'sy because it is about love mm-hmm. it's for lovers and, uh, and death and so um, why don't you just consider this my Valentine to you oh This is Death From Above 1979. I didn't get you anything.
What'd you think of that, bro? Man, that's really good. You know what that reminds me of? What? Is that I'm a robot band. Yeah, I could see that. It's like a a little heavier version, but the singer has a um I don't know, some quality to it. It sounds just like it. It's uh in his voice, but also the recording of it is fantastic. Like that sounds really good in the headphones. Yeah, so the the singer, the guy um you know that does the lead vocals is the drummer. Okay. So they're a two-piece and so Jesse Keeler plays bass and Sebastian Granger plays drums. And that's it. I mean obviously in the studio they add, you know, synth and other stuff. Yeah. Uh you know, they layer in stuff, but you know, I mean that's a bass, not necess- that's not a guitar. Yeah, he's just got some fuzz kicking on there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's got a really unique singing style and, you know, he's kind of, uh, like the, uh, the Phil Collins type where he's, he's the, the front man and the drummer at the same time. Yeah. It's gotta be tough to, uh, cause he's got some hi-hat work going on there. It's gotta be tough to pull that off and sing at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they are, they are cool, you know, like Two pieces were kind of a thing, right? At the beginning of the aughts. Mm-hmm, with maybe, all the maybe black it, keys and all those. Yeah, um, maybe it was the white stripes. White stripes. Yeah. You know, but you, you see, if you see the white stripes, you know, Meg is just bashing out a, a basic rhythm. And it's all about, um, it's all about watching what Jack White does. Right. Um, but, you know, when you see Death Room Above 1979, uh, it's more about what the drummer's doing because, like you said, he's just high energy, a million miles an hour, high hat all over the place, but also singing. God, how do they? Like it just seems impossible. Yeah, it's 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 one of those situations that if you're a sound guy. <laughs> For a live show, how are you getting the vocals isolated enough to right. cut through with cymbals and hi hats and snare drums? It's just got to be. I mean, obviously, it can't it's be. It's got to be the, the tightest microphone yeah. ever. I mean, Phil Collins or the, or I guess Don Henley with the Eagle. They've been doing it forever, but still, it's just got to be a nightmare for those guys. Yeah. So uh, Granger said that his wife um, Eva was pregnant. Uh, not long after they started working on this song and after hearing an earlier version she said i wish this song was dancier so he went back into the studio and reworked the drums yeah it made and, it a little hi-hatty yeah and then so he said as the record was ta- taking shape every time that he would come home from the studio um the the baby would start dancing in his wife's belly mm-hmm. and so he, he knew he was onto something so it's a it's a groovy jam. I wow. like it. What he has, I mean, it's it certainly has very little to, in common with Van Halen, but at least it uh, it kicks it. It's a jam. That band could open up Van Halen. Why not? Sure. Right. I would love to see it. I mean, come on. Not, come on. Not now, though. Obviously, that wouldn't. They yeah. wouldn't be able to do that. Um. That's great. You know what they have to look forward to is um, when he 
is at a school function with his kid and they can go, oh, you're a musician, what band? And he gets to go, it's called Death From Above, 1979. That'll be his thing. That right. He'll, that he'll do forever. And everyone will be like, it's called what? Death From Above. It's called Death from Above, and then it's a, it has a year, 19. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's it'll, go, the, it'll go over great at the PTA meeting. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of Napalm? <laughs> yeah, we named our band after that. Well, what are you doing now? How are things been? What's up? Man, i uh, just been... Doing some squats? Yeah. It, it, I I want to do some squats, but I haven't started yet. I'm too scared to join a gym, even yeah. though I need to. Yeah, don't join and, a gym, bro. I know. Home and gym. I, yeah, well, I, I live in an apartment, and, you know, I have some dumbbells, and I guess I could do, you know, I could uh, look up some, some YouTube workouts, but I'm just too lazy to do that. Do you know where the phrase uh, where the the phrase dumbbell or the word dumbbell came from? No. Have you ever thought about how stupid dumbbell looks like when it's written down? Mm-hmm. It has like two B's right there in the middle. Dumbbell. Uh, yes. Okay. We saw it written on something the other night, and I was kind of like, "Hey, uh, why do they call those things dumbbells?" You ever thought about it? You ever thought about it? <laughs> And, and so what's the answer? Don't leave me hanging. There's some English poet or somebody that kind of, it was, it was written in something about, um, it does have to do with working out, I think, but it was when you have a bell, like a church bell, and the, uh, the thing oh, that, there's, that makes there's the sound no thing go dingy, in the middle. dingy, ding, when that's taken out of there, it's a dumbbell. So when they used to... They would work out or pull those, pull the rope where the thing was, but they wouldn't bother everyone because it had the thing out, and it was called the dumbbell. Or you could lift them up in the air and it wouldn't make noise, so it's called the dumbbell. Now I have to know what the the hangy downy thing is called. <laughs> it's called the dongle. Are you looking up what the hangy downy thing is? You're about, uh-huh. to, you're about to hit some weird sights. Sucks you can't hear the background music. It's nice. I know. Let's see. It's the clapper. <laughs> so a Part, uh, so parts of a typical tower bell uh-huh. is the bell yoke or headstock, the cannons, the crown, the shoulder, the waist, the sound bow, the lip, the mouth, the clapper, and the bead line. I didn't know that bells were so sexy. I know, right? Right? I knew we'd get to bell talk. We always do. That was like like in the olden days, if you were like the, uh, the blacksmith who made bells... You were making bank. Yeah. Yeah, and you had to be strong as hell. Like, who's lifting the bells? Right. Some big-ass bells. How'd they get those bells up there in those b- big towers? 
aliens. Aliens did it? Yeah, ancient aliens did that. That makes sense. That's the only thing that makes sense. I know. Um, I do want to talk to you a little bit later about uh, the Super Bowl halftime show. Wanted to get your impressions of the weekend. Okay. Uh, um, because that just uh, took place. Who knows when you'll hear this podcast, and that may be really old news for you. But um, I thought it was particularly interesting given uh, COVID times and uh, the way that uh, they took advantage of the circumstances. Um, but let's go ahead and, and get into the book report. Mm-hmm. And how... how how did the news hit you when you first heard that uh, EVH had passed away? I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, you kind of we've kind of known he's had a he was sick for a while. And he had that that tongue cancer thing that was just it had to have been a nightmare. They said it took like most of his tongue out when they kind of fixed that. That had to have been a thing. Right. And he blamed it on... Do you know what he blamed it on? He used to... Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, he blamed it on um, holding his pick in his mouth, right? Yeah, but not just because they were those brass or copper picks. Okay. So it wasn't just like a regular plastic pick. But he also said, you know, could be years of... He said he's been smoking and drinking since he was 12 years old, so... I don't know too many people that have their tongue taken out because of smoking, but later on the throat cancer and the lung cancer kind of got him, and then the stroke. But let's start yeah, off it, with fun times first. Didn't um, didn't Eddie dip as well, or did he just smoke? I'm sure he did just about everything, right? Yeah. Um, born. 1955, I guess we figured that out a minute ago because we had to figure out what age he was. Right. But in the Netherlands, and I think a lot of people know that, like that's not like a, he was born in Amsterdam. He wasn't wasn't born in California and they kicked it off. I mean, his name is Van Halen. But right. His, but his mom is uh, from this weird island. Um, his dad was Jan Van Halen. Yes, a, and he's he was a, a he was a jazz pianist. pianist. Yeah. And his mom was from Rockus Bitung in Jawa. It's spelled like Java, but you say Jawa in the Dutch East Indies. And then they finally settled in uh, the Netherlands. But he was only there till he was like 7. Right? So then they cruised to Pasadena. Yeah, so the yeah, it's crazy how they ended up in Pasadena. Yeah, that's a weird move. But yeah, so the folks kind of wanted them to, Alex and Eddie, to both be big-time piano players, which makes sense. But one thing I read that was funny is that Alex picked the guitar first, and Eddie played the drums. Isn't that weird? I mean, what could have happened to the, right? t- to the tapping solo if that would have lasted? Not that Alex wouldn't have figured that out at some point, maybe. But they have on the wiki that he switched over to drums because Eddie heard 
Alex play Wipeout on the drums one day and was like, well, you should just play the drums and I'll play. Yeah, drums. you're better at this than me. Yeah. What, what are we doing? So um, that's what happened. But so when did, um, when did, there's no way you're probably going to remember like exactly, but when did Van Halen, like when you heard that first, because the first record was huge and I'm going to play a song off the first one because it had, mm-hmm. it was the one with Eruption on it. You know, and Jamie's crying, and um, you know all of that's that record was huge. Running with yeah. the devil. Well, and and back to the earlier conversation that we kind of teased the fact that you had the older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were exposed to things maybe earlier than other kids would have. Back in the '70s, when you know the first couple records came out, um, you know I was still living in New York, and I remember my uh, my best friend. We used to um, climb this tree in his front yard. <laughs> that was what we. That is just what we did. Man. Is we just we climbed this tree in his front yard. So, it was our climb tree. So Dave. Our younger lives are so simple that all we needed was like a big red or a tab and to climb a tree. Right. Yeah, we didn't have tablets or uh, cable TV, so we just climbed a tree. And drank and, some tab. And so, it, but it was um, like catty corner across the street was a house where some high school kids lived. Mm-hmm. And so we would always hear them hanging out after school and playing their kiss records and their acdc records and their van halen records and it scared the living crap out of us hell yeah because you know we were innocent little elementary schoolers and we just thought that that was like satanic music well yeah well this is like 1978 probably so you're like what six years old yeah yeah so that that was scary Mm -hmm. and so i really didn't become fully aware of Van Halen until 1984. Oh, okay. Like, I I didn't listen to anything before 1984 um, until after that record was so huge. Yeah. Well, Todd and his buddies were on Van Halen from day one. So that meant I was on it too. So when I'm seven and this record comes out, I know, but you got to think Todd's 11 Mm -hmm. and uh, his band even, I guess, um, when he was in seventh grade at the talent show, they played the girl, you really got me, but the Van Halen, but not the kinks version. Of course they played the, they wanted to be Van Halen. Mm -hmm. They they were called destiny. Nice. Um, they played that at the talent show, and I got to actually leave fifth grade early and go see them jam this. It was awesome. I think my mom had to talk the guitar player into actually going up on stage, this guy Robbie, because he got so nervous he didn't want to go up there. But uh, they ended up playing, and it was awesome. Girl, you really got me now. You remember that jam, right? Yes, of course. But off of this... I always, to this day, because Van Halen has a deal 
it's sort of like a rat thing, especially early Van Halen, where new wave kids, Van Halen gets a little bit of a pass in the early days, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, and this I don't is, know. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just. I, I think I, sometimes I think, when things I are just good, just, they're good. I think. Yeah, I think it was just because um, David Lee Roth was just so over the top. Yeah, he's wild ass. And the song I'm going to play after this is from a video. And it's the, it's the reason why I'm playing the live is you just have to watch both of them. They're just so rock and roll. It's, the, it's insane. But this is them kicking it off in 1978. And I thought, I like the fact that, I mean, he grows up getting all of his influence from Eric Clapton, right? Learning every solo. I think there, there was something that... Um, it wasn't on the wiki, but I heard this a long time ago that he used to get uh, cream records or whatever and slow them down and figure out the solos and then speed it up and play along with it. Um, so that's his like main influence. But then, of course, he took it to a level of uh, like Clapton can't do that stuff. Right. Like there's just no way. I mean, <clears throat> he started off a whole thing of of shredding that people no one ever heard anything like that before so he is the dude but let's play um you said you didn't know this song right Atomic. i mean maybe maybe when when you play it but i don't remember the name like i said i i haven't spent a whole ton of time with those old records mm -hmm. well this is van halen uh, a lot of people call it van halen one but it's their first one because you know, you remember back then, you just called it the band name, and then the next one was Van Halen 2. Yeah, just the Led, the Led Zeppelin model. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's play Atomic Punk from Van Halen. I can't wait. EVH, HD Well. Pod. Yeah. 
so great. Yeah. Man. Isn't that crazy? It's just so wild. I mean, yeah, so when you're like eight years old. So that was was track two, side two. Mm -hmm. After After Jamie's crying. crying. Yeah, that's right. Man, I, I need to... I need to go back and listen to these. It's that whole record is absolutely amazing. Done it uh that Sunset Sound. You know where that documentary Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally watched that after you uh talked about it. Was it last pod? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, and so he he's got a thing, man. It's uh it it also when you're when you're young and you kinda wanna be a guitar player. It'll also make you might you might want to just quit because you're not gonna do that stuff. There's no way. Right? Yeah. Like you listen to Van Halen, like, well, I can't do that, and then you listen to the Smiths, and you're like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Jesus and Mary Chain comes along. And you're <laughs> like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm glad we're doing this, Dave. We're kind of. We're mixing it up, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at the wiki, and it says that he he and Alex started their first band when um, Eddie was in fourth grade. Uh huh. Do you get the? Did you see the name of it? Yeah, the Broken Combs. Yeah. My first band was in fourth grade. I've told you about it. I don't remember the name. It was me and Pat Murphy and David Tony. You know David and yes. Pat. Yeah, you know both of them. Yes. Um, it was called uh, <laughs> it was called Rapid Fire. Oh, that's a good one. And guess what the Rapid name of our Fire. first song was? Rapid Fire? It was called Rapid Fire. But our what hit... Was, what was the name of the record? Was it uh, called Rapid Fire? Well, our hit would have... Our, the name of the record probably would have just been Rapid Fire 1. But... Uh, we had a song called Corner Store Cafe. And it went, and, uh, 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 no, I take that back. That was a um, song called Maze Pills because Pat's sister brought back a, a rugby shirt. <laughs> and we thought that it said Maze Pills on it, but it was the, it was like a Pilsner beer thing on the rugby shirt. <laughs> So uh-huh. we wrote a song called Maze Pills and it went like this. That, that was the hit? Yeah, it went uh, dun 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 and then we go Maze Pills at the drugstore. Oh 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 It sounds awesome. What do you think? Pretty good, right? Yeah. Corner For store cafe kinda had the same chord progression, but just uh just uh different words. Did you ever play um, the Whiskey A Go Go? Yeah, that's where the when I met Screech outside. May he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. We've told that story on the pod before. Yeah, when he he uh, tried to force his way onto your bus. Well, they were. Um, I was sitting in the front of the bus after we played Whiskey A Go Go, and um, four dudes walking down the street and one dude goes knocks on the bus door because i was up there and was like hey can we uh can we hang out with you guys i was like no the band doesn't like really people to just come on the bus or whatever and the guy just stares at me for a little bit and then he goes 
Screech is in our band. And I was like, what? And Screech sticks his head around the corner into the bus door. And I was like, get on the bus. That's all you had to say. Yep. And so we. Why didn't you lead with that? Yeah. And then so we ended up in the back of the bus and he was back there just smoking, just going, you guys are the pimps. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I saw that uh, leading up to his his uh, untimely death, he was working on a Tool cover band. Oh, really? Yeah. That he was obsessed with Tool, and wow. he was a he was a bass player, and he was obsessed with Tool's bass player, and that he was starting a Tool cover band. Man. I'll tell you what, you don't think that the guy, that he's as famous as he as he was, but when he's in the back of the bus and crew people are coming back one at a time going, hey guys, we got to clear it up back here, we got to, you know, let's get moving, and then they would look around the room and go, wait, you're, you're Screech. So random. <laughs> like, it's just look around like, hey, these other guys, man, y'all got to go, uh, are you? But Screech, take there, all the time you Are you, you need. Screech? Yeah, all right, y'all scoot over. Let me hang out with you guys. Screech will make a party happen. Right? So, yeah, the, I guess uh, Van Halen was one of the staples at Whiskey A Go-Go, and that's what got them signed, mm-hmm. was those uh, shows. Warner Brothers, right? Something uh-huh. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they kicked it off hard and heavy. It seems like by the time Van Halen, that first record came out, that they were already doing pretty well, and at least out, out there, right? Right. That's kind of what, because they started in like 72 or 73 or something, so they were already cooking for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you look at their discography, because, you know, 1984 is the tipping point. That's mm-hmm. when they become megastars. That's when they're on MTV every hour. And then that's the breakup of you know the band and and david lee roth so then you have uh 5150 in 86 and oh 812 in 88 so it was like it it was just a steep decline after 1984 well but between except for record sales they still same oh yeah uh, they yeah, sold but, a lot yeah. of stuff yeah I mean, I, I know that there are some. I, I I don't understand who they are, but there are those people that prefer Van Hagar. I don't understand anything. Yeah, I don't. But uh, I don't mind Sammy Hagar. He's all right. I uh, I thought it. No, was, he's fine. I thought he's it was fine, cool but... that there would be another guitar player up there. That was he's he's a really good guitar player. So I thought it was cool every now and then that Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar were playing on the same thing. But did I was it the same Van Halen? No, it's not even. You got to have David Lee Roth with <laughs> buttless chaps up there with giant fur boots kicking his leg by his head. That's right? what you do. That's yeah, but good stuff. just they they averaged a, a, a record a year uh, from 78 to 82. There was Van Halen, then Van Halen 2, then Women and Children First, then Fair Warning, then Diver Down, and then they waited two years before 84. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so prolific leading up to that that tipping point. Yeah. And 
it, it sucks that uh, Dave thought, I, I mean, I guess Dave just became so full of himself and he was like, I don't need these other guys. I don't know if that was the case. I, I think that they that might have been maybe a mutual split there because I think they were done with him. Weren't they really? hating him? Yeah, I thought that Eddie and Dave just did not, they were not on the same page. I mean, when you have four full throttle personalities, mm-hmm. mega famous, lots of booze, mega rich, lots yeah, of so drugs, much, so much booze, so much drugs, so many girls. Todd it's, saw him on the uh, Diver Down tour in Houston. I think that that might have been one of his first ones he could go by himself. And he said when they came out on stage <laughs> and that show started, it was David Lee Roth for the first, they started over like three times at the beginning. David Lee Roth didn't know the words, went running across the stage when they finally got it kicking off, hit the first step, you know, and then when they'd have the bi-level stages, totally flattens it, picks up a bottle, chunks it at a stagehand guy because it was like it was their fault. He said it was the wildest thing ever. And then he said it was just awesome from then on out. But They, the whole, they got it together. Yeah, the whole beginning was just crazy i mean the song that i'm gonna play uh later from that 81 concert uh you hear eddie goes into the verse one whole thing early and then he kind of looks at you know michael anthony and they kind of are just jamming and keep it going and like i don't care (laughs) you know and they and then they're back into it again it's awesome but you know that's back when people that's could you imagine I mean, they must have just woken up every day like, what the hell happened last night? God. Are we all still Are we all still alive? Yeah, because remember, that's the story. Uh, I've told you that before about Alex jumping out of the window. Have you ever heard that David Lee Roth story? No. Where they were at that famous hotel on Sunset, and uh, <laughs> Alex wakes up the next day i think it was alex and and was like why do i have all these cuts and bruises all over me and they were like and definitely ross like man last night at the at, at the hotel remember we were all you kept telling everybody you could fly and you jumped out of the window and alex is like why'd you let me jump out of the window and he was like man i thought you could do it <laughs> man but he so said they good. were only on the second floor so he just barely <laughs> You just kind of jumped out and hit the ground. Just, just yeah, just <laughs> landed in a holly bush and got some scrapes. Man, what a what a disappointment that um, "Eat 'Em and Smile" record was. Is that the that's the David the, Lee Roth one, right? That, yeah, that that was with California Girls. <laughs> or just was a it gigolo. Girls? Yeah, just a gigolo and. Uh, Yankee Rose. Yeah, he he got real uh, Broadway, didn't he? Or not? I guess like I don't know what do you call that? Like <laughs> clowny. Yeah, it it was very show tuny. Like Vegasy. It's like Vegas show tuny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense that that's where he is now. <laughs> but it's come full circle, and now he is Mr. Vegas. Anyway, yeah, but at one moment in time, those four guys were extraordinary. What they did, we'll get to. We've talked about this way too long. Let's get to some more, some other jams or something else. 
Yeah, okay, so as I said earlier, I went down uh, the rabbit hole today trying to find some more guitar-oriented jams to play. Some rock. And Yeah, and so I almost, um, I almost decided to play a new song by uh, Mogwai. Okay. They, they have a, a new record coming out. And, you know, they are famously um, an instrumental, instrumental band. Um, but this song actually has uh, a vocal, not a guest vocal, but you know, one of the dudes in the band singing and it's good, but it's a little on the somber side. Um, so I might save it for the after dark. So I wanted something again, that was going to bring the party. We needed a Mogwai with a guest David Lee Roth vocal. Right. (laughs) That would be great, but it doesn't exist. Um, Just throwing so, ideas out there for them. They can have that. Yes. So I uh, I ended up stumbling upon a band that um, I had never heard of before. That um, they are from Perth, Australia. Well, all right. They um, they're cut from the same cloth as like Tame Impala mm-hmm. and and Pond. You know, the, there's, I guess, something in the water in Australia, New Zealand, where they pump out a bunch of psychedelic bands. Um, so this band, they kind of sound like a cross between uh, like Tame Impala and like Temples. Oh, I've okay. Temples for you before. Yeah. Um, but they they really turn up the party. <laughs> um it's a band called Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. <laughs> Man, people are really running out of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they've been around since uh, 2014. Um, as I said, they're from Perth. And they uh, just put out their uh, fourth full-length record. It's called Shiga. The Sunlight Mound. Like S H Y G A exclamation mark. The Sunlight Mound. Shaga. I don't know what, I don't know what that means. Man. Um, but we are going to listen to a hot jam off this record entitled Tally Ho. Man, these guys do sound like they like to party. They do like to party. And I think that uh you are going to want to party after you hear this. <laughs> okay, good. On HD Well.
What do you think, bro? <laughs> that is a hot, hot jam. Um, man, everyone's recording everything so super tight and awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I, I didn't listen to the full record, but I listened to about half of it, and I liked everything I heard. And I even did a couple of selects from like the past records, and it's all good. It's interesting, you know, they, they are like more of a party version of like Pond or Tame Impala. Like they, they're not so interested in being introspective. They're more interested in just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks, which I appreciate. It's a jam. Yeah, it's I'd, totally it's a jam. I would like to see that. Man, if someone listens to this pod for the first time during this episode they're gonna be like wow these guys like the rock yeah and they'd have want, no I, idea how sensitive we I, are how, how sensitive and feminine we ordinarily are <laughs> ah. Woo! it's all right yeah i don't i don't really have um a whole lot of color to add to um psychedelic porn crumpets um do do they have anywhere on there that um where they got that name what's what's that mean it's uh they just claim that it was chosen as random and they thought it was amusing okay nothing better than that it's random and they thought it was amusing. Yeah. I mean, it was like they, it was like they put, uh, words into a hat and then they just pulled them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I hate it. I like it. Do you know what a crumpet is? It's like a little, it's like a little pastry. Yes. It's, um. I only know that because I- I'm high tea. Yes, they they are actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like um, oh, I've had a crumpet. Yeah, but it's it, like if you look at it, it's kind of like a pancake that was never flipped over. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because the the one side has like the the browned um, cooked surface, and then the other side has all the air bubbles. Your base is the brown side. Right, and then so you warm it up and you smear uh, melted butter all over the side with the holes in it. Or a little jam. Or a little jam, and everything gets down in the nooks and crannies. It's like a, it's like an English English muffin, but better. Mm-hmm. A little softer than an English muffin, whereas yeah. an English muffin's a little chewier. Uh, I don't know what a porn crumpet is, or a psychedelic porn crumpet. That's a whole I would other. Lo- I would. I would smear. love to try those. Um, like, is it a crumpet with like mushroom butter on top that you take with an adult film star? I like that you went that route. Then, uh, then, then making love to the crumpet, or just having anything else on the crumpet. But I like what you've done there. Yeah, that's. I mean, good. I would. I would love to. Eat a crumpet with shrooms with a porn star. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Like, My wife probably wouldn't enjoy it, but 
Unless it was a porn star named Steve. Right? And then a whole different scenario paints itself. Yeah, guys are porn stars too. That's true. But then so, so many so many first times could happen. I've got my mustache in my crumpet. That's what uh, I, that's what Steve would say. Yes. Because of his giant um, mustache in his crumpet. Yeah, so the uh I guess there are other big buddies and uh Excuse me, darling, I've got my mustache in your crumpet. Forgive me. Forgive me for my mustache. I got some whiskers stuck in the butter <laughs> in your crumpet. I've got my whiskers in your crumpets. Forgive me. Um, are you uh, familiar with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? Good. God. <laughs> Did you just look up the weirdest band names in history <laughs> and that's what you're going with for this one? No, I mean... Outside of Tame Impala, I guess <laughs> the the second most famous psychedelic band from Australia is called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> Man, we need to get down to Australia. Those guys I know. are they going for it. Yeah, but they're a big influence on the uh, the porn crumpets as well. Anyway, forgive me. Uh, we don't need to spend any more time on that. I mean, dive in if you if you like what you heard, uh, then check it out. Because I, you know, I, I'm just trying to bring the party as much as I can. Um, you know, on short notice. This is this is not going to be like the number one rated HTWOW episode ever. I think you'll be surprised of what an EVH on the title of your podcast is going to do for you. That's true. Yeah, yeah, everybody will tune in for the the EVH, and then they'll uh, have to skip through the the porn crumpets. When's the last time you've had a gizzard, a fried some gizzard? I don't know that I've had fried gizzards. Um, I probably had um, gizzards in my wife's uh, turkey dressing from Thanksgiving. Is a gizzard like a turkey liver? Uh, I, is it? It's from the neck, isn't it? Is it? Is it like a gland or something, or is it the hangy downy part? No. What from the bell? What was it? The <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The crapple um, or something? Something with the crapple? Crapple? But um, uh, yeah, when it, whenever uh, my wife makes gravy, she always. Uh, you know, there's when you get the frozen turkey, there's the packet with all of the uh, there's the neck and then the packet with the organs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just throw that stuff away, but that's like the base of the gravy. Mm -hmm. She but, chops up all that stuff into little pieces. So that's probably the only way I've had gizzards. Is do, what I'm you, saying to you. do you have a gizzard? I, I don't think so. I feel like we'd know if we had one. My dad at the Tinsley's Chicken Fried Chicken Place in Huntsville used to always get the box of fried gizzards. Yeah, so um, it's the muscular, thick-walled part of a bird's stomach oh. for grinding food. Yeah, grind it up. Typically with grit. 
So like when when birds swallow pebbles. <laughs> they can kind of grind it up. The, the, the pebbles sit in their gizzard and help grind up the food. I get it. I guess. I don't know. So you don't have a gizzard? No, because I'm, I'm not a bird. Or any other gizzards. Yeah, only birds have gizzards. Wow. I, uh, that was one thing you try once or twice as a kid with Pops when they get some fried gizzards and you're like, mm, nope. It's a little too chewy, Grandpa. I'm out. I don't like it. I'm out on the gizzard. Um, wonder if I'd like it now. Things change. I mean, if you fry it, I might like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the fried thing. Yeah. No, I'm into it. I'm into it. So, what we'll are we doing? Are we whip just... it up in some cornmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I yeah, I wanted to... Um, we weren't able to Super Bowl together. Um, but I assume that you watched it in its entirety. And I wanted to get your take on... Uh, the weekend's performance like maybe not so much the tunes because i mean he's singing to tracks and um you know whether you like his music or not that's subjective but what did you think of the spectacle um i gotta be honest here with you dave I think it's the worst thing I've seen since the Black Eyed Peas thing. Really? I, it was the, I was not entertained in one way. I thought that I kind of liked his music. And I know the last one, the last song that they played, of course, is the one that's the remix. The Blinding Lights. Yeah. um, It's everywhere. And I thought that I would like the rest of his stuff. And like you said, this isn't about the tunes because... All the other tunes before that sounded exactly the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like someone was trying to do, especially with the dancer bit, trying to do some modern day Pink Floyd thing with diapers on people's heads. Am I being too harsh? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Did you like yeah, so it? Are you a fan of The Weeknd? I'm not a fan of The Weeknd. Um, I remember I told you that the one time on my honeymoon when my uh, lovely wife and I went to Italy mm-hmm. um, back before COVID um, back when we could go places and the one time that I shazammed a song was at some nightclub in Rome and you know they were they had a dj and he was playing kick-ass music and the one time that i shazammed a song it was a disclosure song Uh uh-huh um but weekend was the guest vocalist right and so i really liked that tune and you know i've always been aware of him but i've never really listened to him uh but because i drive with my kiddo um, and we listen to Kiss FM. We listen to Top Forty Radio all the time. I've heard, you know, Blinding Lights a billion yeah, times. Yeah, I've heard that one a thousand times. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I guess I, even though it's it's a total uh, '80s 
um, paint by numbers song, I guess I, I appreciate the fact that he's exposing kids to that type of music and then maybe they will branch out and discover, you know, stuff well, that was actually made in the 80s. That's sort of the reason why I thought that I would like it more is because of that song. I thought mm-hmm. that I thought that because of that tune, um, it was all going to be a bit better. Yeah, I I I thought that it really dragged in the middle, like the you know the slow number from like Fifty Shades of Grey was, uh, you know, really boring to me, with like the violins and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I thought the the opening was cool. Um, I liked when they first um, brought in the choir and they had masks on and they looked like Jawas or sand people. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had like the glowy eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, th- I thought that that was, that was cool the way they uh, uh, unveiled the stage, the set. Um, I like that they did an end zone stage. I thought that was something. Yeah, the end zone stage was cool. Um, you know, I, I know there were a lot of memes about the kind of maze within the stage. Yeah. Like it was like your toddler getting your iPad for 20 seconds (laughs) when he, his face is like smeared and, uh, it's like super stretched. I hated Um, that part. I thought, but I, I, but I thought, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting choice and a risk. And I enjoyed the, you know, when they brought in the dudes with the bandages and they were all banging into each other. It was like chaos. And then in time with the music, then they would go into their like synchronized dancing. I thought it was cool that, you know, they they took a risk there. Um, so, but to me, the coolest part was yeah. when they had, you know, the 200 masked dudes uh bandage dudes on the field because we were talking about as we were watching you know your typical halftime show it's the midfield stage and it's surrounded by you know your uh screaming adoring fans yeah your the fake people fan. that they yeah. you know your fake fans the sponsors that they pull out to uh, uh surround the stage and cheer and uh you know act like they've never seen a concert before and so because they had the end zone stage and they had a full empty field, I thought it was really cool how they took advantage of all of that real estate. And it was almost like an Olympics opening ceremony type thing. You know, it reminded me of like the, the China games where they, they would have all the, the, the synchronized uh, dancers on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my question well, I, on I that. I dug that part. And and this is this is my question on that, and it's what I was thinking the whole time. Was that filmed before? No, because you could see the people in the stands, you know, holding up their little flashy things that they got, you know, to participate. Or so was think, that did you, like you think that he was that that was filmed on the night? Yeah, I think that was, uh, I mean, I don't know that his vocals were live. I don't know that every bit of it was live, but I no, think that. No, definitely not the vocal thing. That, that that bit on the field was live. Do you think the thing in the back room where they were going down the hallway was live? Um, 
I don't know. I could go either way on that. I could see how he disappears and then they run like they're, they're you know, the best take. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I would like to think it was live, um, but yeah, we, we all know the tricks of the trade, so probably not, but who knows? That was most of our conversation while we were all watching it, is we were looking around at the background even when they were performing, and we kind of kept thinking, is this happening right now, or did they do this like two days ago at night, and they're playing it in the stadium right now, but I don't know. I couldn't tell. Surely it would have come out now that that didn't happen on the day. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought it was good. Uh, I, I, I would put it above... I would put it a million times better than Black Eyed Peas. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. Um, I didn't say it was as bad as they were, but it's the worst one I've seen since then. <laughs> but, I, you know, what I, what I do appreciate is that he... You know, because the, the way that the NFL does this thing is that they, they get these acts to play for free. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure they probably get some money from pepsi or whoever the halftime sponsor is definitely paid but but it's just you know they get all of that free airtime Mm -hmm. to uh you know uh half a billion people oh his record Uh, sales probably jumped up insanely in the next day yeah well and and so the two things that i that i saw that he did that i really appreciate was that he he sunk like seven million of his own dollars into that stage show, um, you know, to fulfill his vision of whatever he wanted it to be. And then he also, like a week before the Super Bowl, put out a, uh, a greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. So he was ready to <laughs> soak in all of his totally. all of the free ad dollars. Yeah, but also, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying last year's was any better. Um, last year was horrible. I don't know. Was last year? Last year was uh, Maroon Five. Yeah, that was that the, was fucking oh, awful. God, actually, you know what? Last year might have been worse than this year. That was terrible last year. Yeah, that that um, that made me feel dirty last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean this 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 one. It it just it. It held my attention the whole time, and it never made me cringe. It never made me uh, have a visceral negative reaction. So, yeah. well, at least it was different. But I did not enjoy it. But it was, um, it, yeah, you're right. It was not as bad as last year. That was just God. Yeah, um, I mean, you're, you're never going to top Prince, so don't even try. Well, that's the other kind of stuff. Is I think the weekend is big, and it might just be the fact that I don't know any of those songs except for the big one. Because um, every now and then when they throw a Super Bowl person out there that, you know, when Katy Perry gets out there, whether you have any of her records or not, you know every single thing that she's saying. Right. The weekend, I was, I can guarantee you, tons of people were like, who is this? Like, I don't know any of these songs. And then they hear the last one and go, oh, I know that yeah. one. It's on a bunch yeah. of commercials. Um, but, you know, things are different. So, Well, you know, it, it seems like they have uh, 
they're done with the nostalgia acts you know, because they've done the last few years Katy Perry, Coldplay, uh, Maroon Five, now uh, The Weeknd. So oh, they're trying. I just got a message. They're trying to do um, stuff that kids are into. But I don't know. Maybe next time it'll be like Jake and Logan Paul. Oh, last <laughs> year know. Last year was Shakira and J-Lo. Oh, last year was Shakira and J-Lo. Marissa just sent me that because she heard us say it over the air. Oh, she heard me from the other room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So it was two what years was the ago. Bowl last year? God, I don't either. I don't remember. I don't even remember what happened last week. Okay. Well, anyway, the Maroon Five one was terrible. Yeah. Was that two years ago? Yeah. She said <laughs> her exact words were, "The Maroon Five fail was the year before." <laughs> she sent it to both of us. Yeah. So she says Shakira and J Lo were awesome. So yeah. I, you know what? I I would say I don't Shakira even remember that one. From what I remember, I would say Shakira and J-Lo were better than The Weeknd. Yeah, Not by a lot. for sure. Not by a lot, but, you know. But you know those but it was songs. Pre, it was pre-COVID. Yeah. You know, different rules. Man. We don't know. How come you I can't sign, remember are you signed anything? Up? Are you signed up in the station for the vaccine? Yeah, I signed up, but when I filled out the thing... Uh, I was like, yeah, I'll be last on the, from the questions alone. I'm like, I will be the last on the list. Right. No Cause you're so it. fit and so hot. Well, no, it's just, there's everything else that's involved with, I'm like, I am not, I am not an essential person, Dave. I have a podcast and I'm a musician, so I should get first in line. We'll be fine if we don't hear, um, what he thinks about Eddie Van Halen or the next time his band plays. So I'm last on the list. But it seems like, uh, I don't know, do they do, uh, do you have like a big uh, vaccine place at, at the campus or there's like, are they, are, man, are they pumping through it? They're um, supposedly a and supposed to get a bunch of vaccine stuff, but I'm not sure. But they, uh, they're at a bunch of places around here, hospitals and stuff, but they're all around like Huntsville and. Montgomery County and Madisonville and they, I, they were like are you willing to go to these places I'm like I'm willing to go to wherever like just I filled out all those I'm like I'm good but um yeah dude I'm I, I I'm so I'm so ready my mom my mom is uh about to get dose two so she's about to be in the clear you haven't have you gotten any messages no I, I saw. I mean, we're in Dallas County, so mm-hmm. who knows how long we're gonna have to wait. But I did sign all of us up. We'll see, Such Dave. We'll see. Such by a the, beat down. By the time we get it, there'll be a whole other SARS. That's right. <sighs> well, um, so let's get back into uh, the Van Halen uh, book report. And you started at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now we're checking back in in 1981. Yeah, so we're three years into it, and Van Halen is full-on successful, wouldn't you say? At this point, I mean, there, there are hits at this point. I mean, people know 
everything off that first record, Eruption and Jamie's Crying and Running with the Devil and all that stuff is huge. Van Halen 2 was huge. Um, and like you said, they just keep putting out records. Boom. Right? When was this one put out? It was on... Uh, I'm about to play Unchained, but of course the live version. But it was put out... That was on uh, Fair Warning, so that Fair was... Fair Warning, 1981. 81. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is great. Man, they're at yeah, so, Sunset so if, Sound if again. You just, if you just look at their uh, chart positioning, right? Mm-hmm. So just talking about album charts in the U.S. So Van Halen peaks at number 19. Okay. Then Van, then Van Halen 2 peaks at number 6. Then Women and Children First peaks at number six. Fair Warning peaks at number five. Mm-hmm. Then Diver Down, number three. And 1984, number two. Yeah, so I can't just... believe that wasn't a number one record. Well, it must have uh, been like Thriller or something. Well, wasn't Jump like their only uh, number one hit? Yeah, but I'm just talking about the, the album. Yeah, the album itself, yeah. But that's a pretty... I mean, if you're going at that progression all the way up, you're a massive rock and roll band. I mean, at this time, there is pop going on. There is, you know, like you said, Michael Jackson. And then who plays the the solo on Beat It? Right. Eddie Van Halen plays the freaking solo because he's the best guitar player in the world as far, you know. Did we talk about that at some point on the pod? I feel like we talked about that. What, that he played the solo on that? Well, just just the um, mm. that when he was asked to do it, he came in and instead of just throwing down a solo, he kind of reworked the entire arrangement. And then Michael Jackson came back and he was like, hey, I hope you don't mind. I kind of uh, rearranged stuff and, you know, like he kind of moved one part up and one part back. Huh. And. Like and, him and Quincy but, Jones did that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? That when he he went into when he went into the studio with Quincy, that you know he didn't just uh, like okay play me the track and I'll lay down a solo. Like he sat there and listened to it, thought about it, made some suggestions. They kind of rearranged things, and then he did the solo. Because mm-hmm. he plays then, all over it. Like he's yeah. definitely on the tune. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then Michael came back and he was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but here's here's what we kind of did while you were gone. And he was like, love it. I love it. I love it. Did I sound just like him right then? Mm-hmm. I love what you did, Eddie. So you know that he wasn't in the video because he tried to distance from that a little bit. You know when the the guy jumps on the car and plays the solo? Uh-huh. That's not him, right? And beat it. No. Yeah, he wasn't going to be a part of the video. He tried to no. stay away from that. Whereas, like, Slash, he'll show up in a video on you. Right? Yeah, so there, so there were four singles off of this record. Unchained was the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was... So This Is Love, which... Uh, peaked at 15, Mean Street, which peaked at 12, Push Comes to Shove, which peaked at 29, and Unchained, which peaked at 13. Right. But really, I think Unchained is the only one that anyone remembers from this record. You remember So This Is Love, right? If you heard it. Well, maybe we'll play that in the After Dark, because it's it's Valentine's Day. That's true. (laughs) 
It does say that this is the band's uh, least selling album of the David Lee Roth era. Do you know what I wanted to mention before on the last thing that we did? Do you know when Van Halen 1 came out and what day? Uh, February 10th, 1978. Guess what today is, Dave? We are recording on February 10th, 2021. Wow. What do you think about that? I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing, ironic note. Should we just quit now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's kismet. Can't it's, believe it. It's kismet. I'm just saying. I knew just I was going to do this, and I saw Jeff K. put up that Van Halen 1 came out on this day. Okay, can we just, before before we play the jam. <laughs> yes. Bef- before you get into uh, setting up Unchained. Um, is Diver Down their best album cover? Yeah, because it's the Diver Down flag. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, not that I don't like the windblown hair and all the stuff in the... <laughs> this one's the worst album cover. Yeah, Women and Children First is a terrible album cover. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, I remember that as a kid, but no one ever had this one on their wall. It's just not a good album cover. Oh, I'm sorry. Fair warning. Fair yes, warning. Fair, I mean, fair warning is it's a weird collage of like cartoon drawings. It looks like some really weird early Genesis record. Yeah, it it totally doesn't make any sense for who Van Halen are and their style of music. I it don't makes know no sense whatsoever. How they signed off on that? Like, who did that? I'm guessing they were all just so tanked that they were like, whatever. We're huge. Look at my fuzzy right? boots. Yeah, so um, so Van Halen one is with the you know the flying VH logo and it has you know all four members in the quadrants. Yeah, which gets a which gets a lot of bonus points because that VH how many people copied that thing? Whoever oh. did that logo just nailed it i mean so many i kids. drew that all over my book covers yeah just a big vh they were they they invented branding <laughs> and then van, van halen 2 was just the vh mm-hmm. i mean it looked it looked cool but you know kind of a give up right then then women and children first was like the uh the little black and white photo in the middle of the green mm-hmm. cover. It looked like a uh, Who album cover or something. Yeah, it looked like all of all of them kind of jamming together. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you know, it's okay. Pretty good. As we said, fair warning, terrible. Then Diver Down, just that the red and white, just so simple, so good. Now Diver Down, isn't that an all covers record? Um, is it not? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I knew that at the time, but I found that out years later. That I knew the Roy Orbison song, of course, and a couple of the other ones were, but then someone was like, no, they're all covers on that one. But is that not right? Well, it's, no, it says five of the 12 songs are covered. Oh, okay. Maybe they were, so they were just exaggerating. Whoever told me that. I get it. Yeah. I mean, why yeah. not? They have covers on like, uh, the first album has two covers on it. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid to do a cover. Yeah, and then of course, uh, 1984 was the uh, the angel with the pack of smokes. Um, I mean, iconic. 
but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's either got to be Van Halen 1 or Diver Down that's their best album cover. Yeah, you're right. I can't tell if 1984 is a good album cover or it's just... You've just seen it seen so it many times. a million times. times, yeah. Yeah. What a huge... It's so, it's, it's so funny how um, Wiki has like the, the albums color-coded. So you have the Roth era, the Hagar era, and then the Sharon era. <laughs> Which was only Van Halen 3. Yeah, I don't think you need to include the Sharon era, do you? No. No. Is that the guy from, what's that song? Extreme. Yeah, but the song was... No, yeah. More than Was that your jam? Yeah, I mean, you wish you wrote it. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, so set up. Uh, it's, we're we're going to um, watch this as we listen to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, the uh, dear pod listener, will have to uh, go to YouTube and find this. Yeah, I this, would say this is uh, from Oakland Coliseum in uh, 1981. Yeah, I would say if you know, pause. If you're not in your car. And uh, go, go watch this. It is an, it is a time capsule of everything you want rock to be in 1981. It is, it looks like, here's the setup. It looks like they've come back on stage after the, you know, this is the first encore, right? Or the last encore, who knows? They jump into it. It sounds amazing. Uh, and all you're thinking is, Wait, where are all the giant amps? What's going on? You know, because Van Halen has the thing of if you're playing any show anywhere and some band brings in a bunch of amps, to this day everyone goes, What's going on? Is Van Halen playing tonight? Right. Because that's their deal. Um, well, they would have they would have the wall of Marshall amps, but they were all <laughs> fake. Yeah, exactly. So, well, not the, well, I don't know what's going on here. These, it's like these all um, PV amps or some whatever it is. And it is, uh, they hit the lights right when he jumps off the stage at the beginning, and it is awesome looking. It is exa- It is Van Halen at their top, and David Lee Roth is going crazy. They like the gong at the end, um, and Eddie jumps into the verse a little early, but you'll see it. <laughs> but it's great. This All is right, the one so- we watched when we were a kid, and, and okay. this would be on MTV. Yeah, so from 1981, June 12th, Oakland Coliseum, Unchained by Van Halen on HDWOW.
And then the light up VH at the end. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, isn't that awesome? That is so great. I don't understand how uh, David Lee Ross pants stay on. I don't either. In order to pull that off, what he's doing up there, you have to look like that. Like he just, yeah. God. Well, and he's doing like herkies and the, the <laughs> fucking the splits at one time I mean, he, he just did a regular heel kick yeah he was like <laughs> he just kicked his heels so so athletic and so flexible 
unbelievable. It's, it's the most, but they're all just, it is full energy. I mean, Eddie and Michael, Michael Anthony's backup vocals. Do you hear that the whole time? It's yeah. like when he hits the Unchained thing, it is unbelievable how good he is at that. That's what Van Halen's been missing, I'm telling you. Michael mm. added a little bit more than people think. But yeah, they're all just yeah, jumping he look, he look around. Yeah, he dumpy as hell in his jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, but they're just jumping around all over the stage. They're on each other's microphones. I mean, it is just burning. Yeah, you weren't you weren't lying. He he not only lit the gong on fire, the mallet was on fire. Everything was on fire, and then it looked like it was gonna fall over, but it didn't because of course it didn't. Oh man, he had so four good. he had four kick drums. <laughs> man uh, mm. that's that was huge. A, that was a time capsule i appreciate <laughs> yeah. that t thank thank you for <laughs> not just playing the album version but making us go back in the h2o time machine yeah to to visit oakland in 1981 you know i, I might need to re-listen again later on i now right then i thought eddie went into it right but david lee roth didn't start singing when he was supposed to yeah, well, or did and, and he come in early? I, I I couldn't tell. I was just so agog at everything that I was seeing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> I'm I'm at a loss for words. I, know, I really am. Think. Yeah, please go back and watch that. Just YouTube it. Uh, 1981, June 12th. It looked like. Um, so the record just came out. When did that record? They said it in April or something? So people just only had like a month and a half to kind of take Unchained in. And they came back with that on the last song of the night. Yeah. I mean, that was the show closer. There's definitely that was the end, right? Yeah, because yeah. they were taking the curtain call. Yeah, because you couldn't light. You can't light the gong for the show's over. No, you got to. That's the last stunt yeah that's the rule you can't like the can't like the gong goes over <laughs> man i mean you think about like you said that michael anthony was the secret weapon just his harmonies mm -hmm. um but you think about just what iconic musicians both eddie and alex were for their instruments and, yeah. and then david lee roth as you know the the prototypical 80s front man yeah the 80s hard rock or metal i don't know see that's the thing they kind of get thrown into the hair metal um hard rock any of that stuff but they're pretty poppy yeah i mean or is it just pop because the songs are catchy? Yeah, I mean it. it it's pop with some dude shreddy shredding guitar. His ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. They did. They did kind of create their own genre, and no one, no one has been able to duplicate it. Really, no, not in that kind of music. Not in full-on guitar music. No way. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was like they hit. I thought this was. You know, those guys and like, 
a cheap trick and people like that. I'm like, this is the coolest stuff ever. And then like, you know, Rat comes along. I'm like, well, they're pretty cool. And then like Motley Crue and then it became Poison and then Warrant. And it, boy, Warrant. It, when it Cinderella. went downhill, it just really went downhill. After Van Halen, you were like, oh no. Um, and then, you know, Joy Division comes along and saves all of our lives around 7th, 8th grade and Duran Duran. <laughs> so we can still keep the hairspray, but use it for different purposes. Right. Maybe cut the hair and spray it straight up. Spray it straight up instead of, instead of like more of a windblown wings. Do you ever have wings? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had the butt cut with the feathered sides, for cut, sure. Butt, butt cut with the feather? That, that seems like a difficult haircut, but boy, they did it, didn't they? I mean, well, you know, you had that, um, whatever the the 80s brush was, mm -hmm. that, that, that had, like, the stiff bristles with the little balls um, at the end. Ball at the end. Mm -hmm. And so you you would just run that through your hair, and it would just feather it. It was like magic. Mm-hmm. Little spray. Yeah, I was I I, I was in a moose at the time. A little bit of moose. Mm-hmm. Work it through. Boy, is that a smell you'll never forget? The moose smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good look. Good luck. I don't know what we were thinking. We were never going to be David Lee Roth. There's no way. No way my hair could do that. I do want those pants, though. You could pull off those pants. Right now? Yeah. I think I could do that. Yeah, pants. so if you, if, if, you, if you don't go and watch the video. So his pants, no shirt, obviously. His pants... Um, have a deep V right uh, on the pelvis, mm -hmm. right above, right above his junk. Um, they're white pants. Seem like laces. Like, Did he have some laces up there? I don't think they were laces. Okay. They it, they were white pants with a red stripe on uh, either side, and then there were also there was also fringe on either side, and then he was also wearing fringed boots. Mm -hmm. Like the pants were tucked into the boots, but the, I mean, this is before spandex. Like I don't know what these pants were made of. It couldn't have been leather. They couldn't stretch like that. No, I mean the the fact that that he could do all of his uh, acrobatic karate chops and still not rip those pants or have them like slip down and have a wardrobe malfunction. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. He didn't seem to be worried about it. No. Well, he didn't care. Man, he's just walking around like a freaking lion up there. It looks insane. I know. It's funny. It, we we talked earlier about uh, what drove them to uh, ultimately split. And it, it, it does seem like um, David Lee Ross penchant for getting super high on cocaine and forgetting all the words. <laughs> was high on the list of reasons why they broke up. Oh, really? That was what was happening? Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, that's part of that was part of the deal back then, right? Yeah, I mean, are we rock stars or are we not? Well, I'm. I mean, it's it's been a while since we lost uh, Eddie, but uh, it's it's good to revisit, and it makes me want to go and uh, and check my collection because I think I do have at least one, maybe two Van Halen records. Mm-hmm. I think I think I have. Um, Gosh, I think I definitely have one and two. I think I think I have women and children first. I think that's the only one I have, and I don't know why I randomly have that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one and two. I mean, I I really need to go back and find those and listen to those and really take them in for what they are because they did invent a genre and they did uh, just take. Uh, parts of other stuff that was going on in the mid to late 70s and totally make it into something brand new yeah and he wasn't it was like he's a he's a guitar purist which is good but he's not afraid to use an effect on you like he'll throw some crazy phasers and all kinds of stuff all over even on the first record he just doesn't care if he likes something he's good i mean he he doesn't care enough on jump he used a full-on synthesizer sound. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, how many metal people were like, what is he, what are they doing? Van Halen doesn't use synthesizers. What's happening? And he just killed it. It was like some Oberheim. Just, I'm going to start off the tune like this and freaked everyone out because he doesn't care. He's Eddie Van Halen. I know. Do you want to hear something off that record? This is probably my favorite Van Halen video of all time. Yeah, for sure. With uh, David Lee Roth on the... On the the wires. (laughs) Swinging across the stage. And then eventually Michael Anthony is swinging across like a bottle of Jack Daniels. Remember he had the Jack Daniels bass? Yeah, that was, was that around this time? Uh-huh, I think so. I mean, it was like it was water, like, they weren't like really chugging Jack Daniels. There's no way. No, eventually, didn't they have like, they had a bar on stage. like Eddie's doing like eruption, they're all over there having a drink. I have a bartender. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
We hope that you enjoyed this wistful look back at a simpler time. Finger tapping was an innovation that we had never heard of and it blew our minds. together a pod from a social distance hopefully we can be together again next month but thank you for listening and hey tune into the after dark for more van halen (laughs) 